Hello and welcome back to another episode of Something Strange, Someone Wicked. Today's episode may be disturbing to some listeners, so listener discretion is advised. Today I'm going to be talking about the murder of Shanda Scherer. Few crimes have caused more public horror than the torture and brutal murder of 12-year-old Shanda Scherer at the hands of four teenage girls ages 15 to 17. Shanda Scherer was born June 6, 1979 in Pineville, Kentucky to Stephen Scherer and Jacqueline Vaught. After her parents divorced and her mother remarried, the family moved to Louisville, Kentucky. And when her mother divorced again in 1991, the family moved to New Albany, Indiana, where Shanda enrolled at Hazelwood Middle School. Shanda was a type of girl people wanted to be friends with. She was funny, outgoing, and just a lot of fun to be around. She was smart and got good grades. But early on in the school year, Shanda got into a fight with another girl named Amanda Havron. The two ended up in detention together, where they resolved their issues and ended up being friends. That friendship soon developed into more, and the two began exchanging love letters. In October, Shanda and Amanda attended a school dance together, where they encountered Amanda's ex-girlfriend, Melinda Loveless. Melinda Loveless was born on October 28, 1975, in New Albany, Indiana. She was the youngest of three daughters born to Marjorie and Larry Loveless. Larry had many different jobs, but never stayed at any one position for very long. He had worked for the Southern Railroad and had been a probationary officer for the New Albany Police. He was fired from that position after assaulting a man he accused of sleeping with his wife. He also briefly worked as a mail carrier. Marjorie had also worked intermittently since 1974. Through most of their relationship, Larry was unfaithful to his wife. He would take Marjorie to bars and introduce her as his girlfriend and share her with other men, including men from his work. Marjorie hated this and attempted suicide many times throughout her daughter's childhood. During the summer of 1986, Marjorie refused to let Larry go home with two women he met at a bar. He then beat her so severely that she was hospitalized. And he was convicted of battery. The extent of the abuse of his wife and daughters is vague, but family members have confirmed that he was emotionally, verbally, and sexually abusive to all of them. In November of 1990, Larry was caught spying on Melinda and a friend. Marjorie attacked him with a knife, sending him to the hospital. She then attempted suicide again. After this incident, Larry filed for a divorce and moved to Florida, eventually severing all contact with his family. That same year, Melinda met and began dating Amanda Havron. She also began behaving erratically. She would often get in fights at school and became depressed. As the year went on, 
Melinda's relationship with Amanda deteriorated. To Melinda, the sight of Shanda and Amanda together made her furious. In the weeks following, Melinda threatened Shanda in public and began saying she wanted Shanda dead. Shanda's parents became concerned about her relationship with Amanda and made the decision to move Shanda to a Catholic Christian school in late November. Eventually, Shanda and Amanda drifted apart. This is where the story takes a dark turn. What started as a jealous spat would result in an evil act that would change the lives of four people and end the life of another. Before I go any further, I'm going to talk about the backgrounds of the other three girls who eventually become a part of this story. Those girls are Lori Tackett, Hope Rippey, and Tony Lawrence. Lori Tackett was born on October 5, 1974 in Madison, Indiana. Her mother was a fundamentalist Pentecostal Christian and was extremely strict. She once discovered that Lori was changing into jeans at school and after a confrontation attempted to strangle her. Social workers became involved and visited the home often. After her 15th birthday, Lori became increasingly rebellious and also became obsessed with the occult. She began to engage in self-harm and was hospitalized after her mother discovered the self-mutilation in March of 1991. She was prescribed an antidepressant and released. Two days later, Lori cut her wrists deeply and was returned to the hospital, where she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and was discharged on April 12th. Lori began staying with friends in Louisville, and this is where she met Melinda Loveless. The two became friends, and Lori began spending most of her time with Melinda. Hope Rippey was born on June 9, 1976, in Madison, Indiana. Her parents divorced in 1984, and she moved with her mother and siblings to Michigan for three years. Eventually, her parents resumed their relationship, and they moved back to Madison in 1987, where she was reunited with friends Lori Tackett and Tony Lawrence, whom she had known since childhood. Hope also engaged in self-harm. Tony Lawrence was born February 1976 in Madison, Indiana. She had a turbulent home life. She was molested by a relative at age 9 and was raped by a teenage boy at age 14, although police only issued an order for the boy to keep away from her. She went into counseling but did not follow through. She became promiscuous, began self-harm, and attempted suicide in 8th grade. Prior to the night of the murder, Tony had never met Melinda or Shanda and had only met Lori once. She and Hope had been close friends since childhood. On the evening of January 10, 1992, Lori Tackett, Hope Rippey, and Tony Lawrence all piled into Lori's car, planning to go to a rock concert. Before heading to the concert, they drove to New Albany to pick up Melinda. Upon arriving at Melinda's house, the three girls got ready and tried on some of Melinda's clothes to borrow.
At some point, Melinda showed the other girls a knife. She claimed she was bringing it to scare Shanda, who was a copycat who had tried to steal her girlfriend. Melinda told the girls her plan. They would drive to Shanda's house, where Hope and Tony would get Shanda to come with them by telling her they were friends of Amanda Havern's. They arrived at Shanda's house around 8 p.m. Melinda hid on the floor of the car while Hope and Tony knocked on the door. They said they were friends of Amanda's and invited Shanda to go with them to see Amanda, who was waiting for them at a place the locals called the Witch's Castle, an old abandoned stone house. Shanda had never seen these girls before, but she did want to see Amanda. She told them she couldn't go until after her parents were asleep and asked them to come back after midnight. So the four girls left and drove to the rock concert and returned to Shanda's house around 12.30 a.m. During the drive, Melinda expressed her excitement about killing Shanda, but then reassured the girls she was only planning to scare her. Hope and Tony didn't believe that Melinda would kill Shanda, but Tony refused to go to the door with Hope when they returned to Shanda's house. Hope knocked on the door and her and Shanda got into the car and started chatting. Suddenly, Melinda jumped from her hiding place on the floor, grabbed Shanda by her hair, and put the blunt end of the knife to her throat. Shanda pleaded with Melinda not to hurt her. Melinda then began interrogating her about her relationship with Amanda. Lori drove them to the witch's house where they took the sobbing Shanda inside. Lori and Melinda tied up her arms and legs with rope. Melinda taunted Shanda and the other girls mocked her while Lori told her that the house was full of bones and that her bones would be there next. Lori then took Shanda's sweatshirt and lit it on fire. Fearing that the fire would attract attention, they decided to leave the witch's house. During the car ride, Shanda begged for them to please take her home. They drove around for a while, getting lost a few times before ending up in the woods not far from Lori's home. Hope and Tony, who were frightened, remained in the car while Melinda and Lori made Shanda get out and strip naked. Melinda then began brutally punching Shanda and repeatedly slamming her face into her knee. Melinda then desperately attempted to slit Shanda's throat, but was unable to due to the dullness of the blade. This is when Hope got out of the car and held Shanda down while Melinda and Lori took turns stabbing her. They then strangled her with a rope until she was unconscious and placed her in the trunk of the car. Lori told Tony that Shanda was dead. The girls then headed to Lori's house where they cleaned themselves up, but Lori realized Shanda wasn't dead when she heard noises coming from the trunk. She ran out to the car, stabbing Shanda repeatedly with a paring knife until she was silent. At around 2.30 a.m., Tony and Hope decided to stay behind at Lori's house while Lori and Melinda went driving around. Shanda continued crying and making gurgling noises in the trunk. 
Lori eventually stopped the car, and when they opened the trunk, Shanda sat up. She was covered in blood with her eyes rolled in the back of her head and was asking for her mom. Lori then beat her with a tire iron until she was silent once again. They went back to Lori's house just before daybreak, and Lori agreed to take everyone home. But first, the girls drove to a gas station where they filled an empty two-liter bottle of Pepsi with gasoline. They then drove to Lemon Road off US 421. Tony, again, stayed inside the vehicle, refusing to participate. They opened the trunk and stared blankly at Shanda. Hope then sprayed her with Windex and said, You're not looking so hot now, are you? Lori and Hope wrapped Shanda, who was still alive, in a blanket and carried her to a field nearby. Hope then poured some of the gasoline on Shanda and they lit her on fire. One of the girls said her tongue was darting in and out of her mouth and that she was still asking for her mom. They went to leave, but Melinda was nervous and asked to go back, got out, and poured the rest of the gasoline on Shanda. They left and stopped to eat at McDonald's. At this point, Tony had become hysterical, so Lori and Melinda decided to take her home. After dropping Tony and Hope off at home, Melinda called Amanda and told her that Shanda was dead. Amanda didn't believe her, and they agreed to meet up. Melinda picked Amanda up, and they returned to Melinda's house, where she showed her the trunk. Inside, there was lots of blood, bloody handprints, clumps of hair, and one of Shanda's socks. Amanda was horrified and demanded to be taken home. Shanda's body was discovered later that same morning, January 11, 1992, by hunters driving along the road. When Shanda's parents reported her missing later that day, the connection was quickly made. That evening, Tony Lawrence walked into the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office and began to confess the details of the crime. Dental records quickly confirmed that the body was that of Shanda Scherer. By the next day, all four girls involved had been arrested. In exchange for her extensive testimony, Tony Lawrence received the lightest sentence. She pled guilty to one count of criminal confinement and was sentenced to a maximum of 20 years. She was released on December 14, 2000, after only serving nine years. Hope Rippey was sentenced to 60 years, but upon later appeal, her sentence was reduced to 35 years. She was released on April 28, 2002, after serving 14 years. Melinda Loveless and Lori Tackett were sentenced to 60 years. Tackett was released on January 11, 2018, exactly 26 years to the day of the murder. Melinda Loveless was released on September 5th, 2019, after serving 27 years. 
Sadly, these four girls' lives will go on. The same can never be said for Shanda. She was senselessly and brutally taken from this world way too soon. May she rest in peace. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to drop by next week for another episode of Something Strange, Someone Wicked.